0: Merry Christmas to everyone. Oh, yeah, you're, you're alive tonight, and that's great. In just a few minutes, we're going to partake in communion, but I just have a brief uh, thought that I want to to give you tonight. During these days, I'm sure that we all have a big focus on gifts, especially tonight or tomorrow morning or whenever will be the time that you and your family will be uh, celebrating the opening of gifts. And children are all hoping, all those kids who are up here are hoping that this pastor will hurry up and get this service over with so that they can get home and do what they are looking forward to doing. Gifts are great, and we love giving them, and we also love receiving them. Can I get an amen to that tonight? There was a small boy who was writing a letter to God about the Christmas presents he really badly wanted. He said, Dear God, I have been good for six months now, he wrote. And then he took a minute and reflected on his last six months, and he went out and he crossed out the six months, and he put three months. Dear God, I've been good for three months now. Took another pause, and he went back one more time, and he he had to scratch out the The three months, and he put two weeks. He'd been good for two weeks. There was another pause, and he had to cross that one out too. And it seemed like at that moment, he he began to reflect again on the reality of his behavior and realized that he didn't really have all that much to offer the Lord in terms of incentive to uh, give him the gifts that he wanted according to his own behavior, that he wasn't sure the Lord should really give him anything. So he had to come up with another plan. And the plan was this. He got up from the table. He went over to the little crib. The nativity scene and where the figures of Mary and Joseph were, and he picked up the figure of Mary. And he went back to his writing and he sat down at the table and he started again. Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, well, it's Christmas, which always seems to come. With its challenges, even though we passionately love this season, most people that you ask will tell you that Christmas is their most, most wonderful time of the year, their favorite time of the year. And I, I have to confess to you that I've had somewhat of an ongoing battle over the years with, those, with little Christmas lights. All of my entire adult life, when, since I've been trying to decorate with little Christmas lights, I, I have a battle with them. Am I the only male in the room that has that problem? Yes, okay, great, well then never mind. And I'm convinced of this, every year, sometime between the time that I pack them away and the time that I, I get them out for the next year, there's little Christmas light demons that get in there and do something with those Christmas lights because the, the cords are all tangled up and then just about the time you get them all in place, you know, you plug them in and half of them don't work. Do I get a witness to that anywhere? And so I, I have to sometimes, when I'm dealing with Christmas lights, I have to pray hard to keep my Christmas spirit intact. And you may see me praying through here on Sunday morning, and you'll know that I've had another round with Christmas lights again this year. And then there's, there's the wrapping paper issues. You know, this is a time of the year when, you know, uh, when we think back to when the wise men went to see the baby Jesus. And according to the book of Matthew, as we talked about on Sunday... They presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and you got that. Well, these are simple words, but if we analyze them carefully, that where they gave the gifts of gold, frankincense, and more, we discover that there is a very, very important and yet often overlooked theological fact in that little passage right there. It is this. In that account, there is no mention of wrapping paper. None whatsoever. Because if there had been wrapping paper, it might have changed the Matthew narrative just a little bit. It might have sounded more like this. And lo, that's the King James Version. And lo, the gifts were encompassed about with seven square cubits of paper. And the paper was covered within and without with pictures of Frosty, a man of snow. And Joseph purposed in his heart to cast the paper into the barrel of refuse. But Mary saith unto him, Cease, man. Drop the decorative parchment. It should be set aside for future generations. And Joseph didst roll his eyes. (laughs) And it came to pass that the babe was more interested in the paper than in the frankincense. But those words don't appear anywhere in the Bible, which means that there is is a biblical precedence that I think we ought to really announce and proclaim to the world, at least, gentlemen, to our wives, and is this. You don't have to wrap the presents. Can I get an amen? The very first Christmas presents, there's no record that they were wrapped. This is because... The people giving those gifts had two very important characteristics. Those, these uh, men who brought the gifts to the manger that we've just mentioned. They had two important uh, characteristics to who and what they are that we need to remember. Number one, they were wise. Number two, they were men. Now, men are not really big gift wrappers, in case you've not noticed. And men just don't understand the point... A putting paper on a gift just so somebody else can tear it off. And sometimes that paper goes on like almost seconds before the person's going to take it off. Men have a hard time understanding Men, are you with me tonight? Are you, can I get a witness here? And, and, and no one ever, if you ever noticed in your, your family time together, no one ever has to ask which gifts the men wrapped. You can usually figure that out. Because for some reason, men never really completely wrapped them. Somehow a man can take a gift the size of a deck of cards and put it in the exact center of a section of wrapping paper the size of a regulation volleyball court. But when they're done folding and taping, you can still see a little sector of the gift poking out. How many know what I'm talking about? It's just an amazing gift that we seem to have. And so what we do as men to fix that problem, we will typically go get a marks a lot, right? Am I right? And we're going to just color out the part that's that's sticking out just a little bit. And so either that or else we find some completely other different kind of wrapping paper, since we use all the first one, and we just stick it on there with tape and hope nobody will notice. Am I right? And we call it done. On the other hand, if you give a woman a 12-inch square of wrapping paper... A 12-inch square. She seems to have the ability. She could wrap a C-130 cargo plane with that 12-inch piece of wrapping paper. Well, man uh, may not know much about wrapping, but man has learned all that he knows about giving from God. How many of you know we have a giving God? Amen. God is the original giver, and he is still in the giving Business. And just to help us recall tonight, just to kind of put this into perspective, how great is the giving nature of our God, I want to remind you of a couple things. And let me just tell you that a theme for me this entire Christmas season has really been very simply this how great is our God? Somehow, in the expanse of this Christmas season and all that it has become, it has just reminded me in more poignant ways than ever before that our God is great and he's greatly to be praised. If we truly see the Christmas season for all that it is and all, the, 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 all that it holds for us and impact and meaning, it should absolutely cause us to say, Lord, I want to give you all the praise. I want to give you all the glory because you are a great God. Are you with me tonight, church, on that? So just to remind us a little bit of the giving nature of God, let me just remind you of a couple things. God gave Adam and Eve a piece of skin from an innocent animal to replace the fig leaves and cover their shame of nakedness. God gave Noah a plan for the ark that would provide for the saving of his household when judgment came. God gave Sarah a precious miracle child in her old age, and she named him Isaac. God gave the Israelites possession of the land flowing with milk and honey. God gave prophets to plead with his people and tell them of amazing things to come. God gave the scriptures to prophesy of a Messiah who would come to deliver and save. God gave the shepherds a pronouncement by the angels that Jesus was born. God gave the wise men a star to lead them to the young child with their gifts. God gave Joseph the patience to understand the, these incredibly strange circumstances of a virgin with child. God gave the world the prince of peace. God gave Jesus the place of sinners on the cross to bear the sorrow and shame. And gave Jesus his, uh, Jesus gave his life for sinners. We simply cannot Say tonight that God is not a giver. He's the original giver. In fact, He has given us, as we would say, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Is that anyone's testimony here tonight? Well, I I don't know about you. As I I mentioned a while ago, the Christmas season for me this year has been such a reminder of how great our God is. And I've used this illustration twice already, and I, I have yet to really deliver it with the impact that it has had in my own heart and my own soul. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again one more time because something about when I truly grasp this whole idea, it blows my mind in reminding me how great God is and what a great giver He is. When we understand that the, in the greatness of our God, who but God could look through trillions of miles and find our planet? Who but God could then, on that planet, find the nation of Israel, that little tiny nation of Israel. And then not only that, from trillions of miles away, not only find the nation of Israel, but find the little village of Bethlehem within that tiny nation. And then within the village of Bethlehem, He has the ability. Our God is so great, He could find a young virgin girl named Mary. One girl out of billions of young ladies on the planet. And not only that, take it further. He not only can find the nation of Israel and the village of Bethlehem and this young virgin girl named Mary, but within her, he could find that one microscopic egg and fertilize it by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, from such a distance away, he could fertilize that one egg by the Holy Spirit. And put within that tiny fetus the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything that he is, fully God and fully man, can I just say again, how great is our God. Come on, give the Lord a clap of praise tonight. Why did he do all of that? Why did he do all that? My mother is with us for this season, and she was in the car with me tonight as, as we drove. And the radio was on and playing a Christmas carol. And she just began to really respond. I think it was away a in a manger. And she said, you know what? And she began to, to break a bit. She was, it really was an incredible night. Somehow I could tell what had happened to her in that moment is that full realization of what Christmas is. That we understand that God in his greatness, that God in the fullness of who he is, fully God and fully man, left the splendor of heaven, shrunk himself, reduced himself to come and fit within our hours, our days, our years. And to fit within us just because he loved us so much. What a gift we have been given. And the Apostle Paul says it best with these incredible words in 2 Corinthians when he says, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Unspeakable gift. I love what all the versions, they all say it with other versions of Scripture, they all say it with eloquence. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thank God for his gift, another version says. No language can praise it enough. And another version says, thank God for this gift that is too wonderful for words. So any way we say it, The gift we have been given through Christ Jesus is magnificent. Now, you've probably already been Christmas shopping. I I hope you have it done by now. You need to be close to finished. Some of you still may run out of here tonight and see if the mall is still open. I understand that. But just before we go to the table of the Lord, I want to give you five very quick criteria whereby you can judge whether the gift you have for your loved one is just the right gift or not. Five things I want us to look at. And what I what we're gonna do is allow it to become a measuring stick, if you will, for the gifts that you're going to give. First of all, is it a personal gift? Is the gift you're giving a personal gift? When you when you shop for a, a gift for a friend or a loved one, we should be looking for a personal gift gift. When we're gift shopping, we're not necessarily always shopping for ourselves, though how many of you ladies, when you're shopping for everybody else, you sometimes find one or two little things for yourself? Yeah, I I see that. Yes, that's kind of true. You don't want anybody to know it, so you're giving this little hand up about like this. So when I go to the mall... I'm probably going to go somewhere where there's electronics because I love the toys and gadgets and electronic things. My wife, Becky, however, is not particularly thrilled if I give her a gift that requires batteries or to be plugged in. That is not a blessing to her. So we've been married now 41 years, and I learned years ago that if I wanted her to be happy with the gift, and I did, it had to be something that she would want and not necessarily something that I just wanted her to have, no matter how great I thought it was, no matter how wonderful I thought it would change her life. If it wasn't what she wanted, it really didn't matter. Now, my definition of a great gift and her definition of a great gift are not always the same, but it must be a personal gift. It has to fit them. And here's where I would draw this analogy. When God gave us his son to die for our sins, dear ones, it was a personal gift because it was custom fit for you. It was custom designed for me and for everyone. He didn't just come for the rich, thank God, nor just for the poor. He didn't come just for white people, nor did he just come for the black or Hispanic community. He didn't come just for Americans, but he came for the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in so doing, he made it a personal gift for you because think of it this way. He knew exactly how you would suffer, and yet he came to be your healer. He knew exactly in your life how you would be tempted and the the personalized gift for you. He came to be your deliverer even in times of temptation. He knew exactly when you would be lonely, and he came to be your friend that sticks closer than a brother. He knew exactly how you would sin, and he came to be your savior. Because the gift of Christ is a personal gift. I say hallelujah to that. It's not only a personal gift, it's a practical gift. Now every year, Becky and I will say the same thing as the Christmas season is coming on. We say, you know, this year we, we really need to scale back. We say this every year. We're going to keep it more simple We're just not going to go crazy. How many of you couples say something like that to each other? You know, you you realize how it was last year, and it just seems like it gets more and more out of control, and so we kind of make this little decision. We say the same thing every year. We're going to just keep it simple. We're going to keep it practical. However, my idea of practical and hers are not necessarily the same, because she might say practical sounds like this. She might say, you know... This year, let's give each other really practical gifts like socks and a fur coat. That would be practical in her way of thinking. And you figure out who's going to get the socks, okay? Now we've all received gifts that are anything but practical. You know the ones that when you get them you put on a, a, a sort of a fake smile and you say something like, "Oh, it's just what I've always just what I've always wanted." And you know good and well that that thing is either going straight in the trash or in the next garage sale. That's just the way it works. We've all gotten these gifts that are not necessarily practical. But I want to tell you this. The gift of Jesus is a practical gift because he's someone that we need. We sing the song and we have sung the song over the years, I need you more, more than yesterday. Lord, I need you more even than my words can say. Because the truth is this, He is the practical gift for us. We need His presence. We need His power. We need His protection. We need His provision. The fact is this, we just need Jesus. We need Jesus in every aspect of our lives. And all of those things that I just mentioned, that's just for this life. The practicality of the gift of Jesus is this, we not only have all of those things in this life, but he's given us eternal life to be with him forever and ever. And that, my friends, qualifies as a practical gift. And when we're giving a gift, we want it to be a pleasing gift. When receiving a gift, we want, uh, we want the recipient of that gift to be, that we want to be happy with, we want to be pleased with it. So, gentlemen, giving your wife a new vacuum sweeper might be practical, but it's not necessarily pleasing. And all the women said, (laughs) now, ladies, you might give him a fruitcake, but he's going to feed it to the dog and pray that the dog likes it and will eat it before you see that. That's just the way it is. Now, God gave us the most pleasing gift we could ever ask for in the gift of His Son, and what more could we ask for? You know, we don't We don't really need all the stuff we have on our Christmas lists. The only real need any of us have is salvation. And the words from the old song are still true that I sang many, many years ago. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. The only one that's truly pleasing is Jesus. The only gift that can truly make a difference in your life is Jesus. Only he can take a heart and make it whole. You see, if our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been for technology, He would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, the gift God would have given us would would have been an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, He would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness, and so thank God He sent us a Savior. Can you say amen to that? And oh, what a pleasing gift that is. And his gift is a permanent gift. The gifts that we give should be something that is of lasting value, not something cheaply made that will fall apart the first day that it's used. And it should be something that will at least keep the interest of the recipient long beyond Christmas Day alone. Our gifts we give should have a permanent nature to us because... To them because God gave us the permanent gift of eternal life. John in his gospel chapter 10 says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. It is a gift That is permanent. What an incredible promise and truth. Jesus laid down his own life so that you and I could have a permanent gift, not a temporary one. This salvation is not just something that we have for a while and then it's gone. We not only have it for this life, but we have it for the life to come. And he wrapped himself in human flesh and took on the form of man. He bore our sins and took our shame. The king of all kings was born in a little stable. What a welcome to our earth that we gave him. And he did it all so that we could have a permanent gift. And lastly is this. Our gift is a purchased gift. Let me just recommend to you it's always a good idea to purchase the gift that you're going to buy and not just walk outside of the store with it. That's always better if you go ahead and go to the cashier and you purchase it and you pay for it. It doesn't work out well if you try it the other way. However, I want to remind you of this. Jesus has already purchased the greatest gift for us with his blood in the gift of his salvation. Is anyone in the room tonight thankful that you have been bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Ushers, come serve the people. We're going to go to the table of the Lord before we dismiss tonight.